The following podcast series was recorded between January and December of 2015. Originally hosted on the Horophilia Podcast Network, it has now transitioned to the Podcast Under the Stairs Collective. Myself and Andy Blockley would like to extend our gratitude once again to Jason Lloyd at the Horophilia Podcast Network for giving this podcast an opportunity to stay on that network for a couple of years and accumulate hundreds of downloads and great communication with legions of fans. The next instalment of the Doing the Nasty podcast looking at the DPP third tier movie list will start January 2020. Duncan McLeish will be joined by Mark Ball who will be replacing Andy Blockley on this podcast and will release one episode each month covering two films from the Tier 3 DPP video nasty list. But until that season drops, please enjoy these archives. They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen the video, Mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film. And welcome back to another episode of Doing the Nasty Podcast. This is episode number 20. I am one of your hosts, Duncan McLeish, from the podcast Under the Stairs. As always, I'm joined by my co-host with the most, Mr. Andy Blockley from the Big Horror and Little Podcast. How are you doing, sir? Yeah, I'm really good, thanks, mate. Coming towards the end now, aren't we? And now the end is near. Don't shed a tear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not that far four episodes after this. Not that we're counting down. I, I realised that like in the last three episodes, I've been like given like this the steady countdown, and it may come across that I, I'm kind of looking forward to the show ending. I'm kind of not. Um, if you know, if by some stretch of the imagination, after a bit of research, I found that there was another twenty movies which had been missed off this list, I yeah. would probably be like, "Oh no, Andy, we've got another twenty movies." Yes, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, yeah. come on, we've got Revenge of the Boogeyman. Surely that's <laughs> you know, and if on the last twenty, there might be the re- like the third one that oh. just comprises basically footage from the first two movies. Two movies. So. Oh, it, it, how, how, how bad must it be if you're a director asked to do... Well, I would suppose how easy a job would it be if you just had to cut two movies into one movie. Um, but, you know, if you were you finally given your break and they're like, yeah, you are going to helm a, a horror movie. It's the third instalment in the Boogeyman trilogy. And you're like, oh, right, I'm not familiar with other ones. Right, here's what we want you to do. We basically want you to take footage from the first movie about 25 minutes. Um, we want you to take footage from the second movie about 25 minutes. And we want you to put that in your movie. And you're like... Can I make, then, the credit sequence <laughs> half an hour long? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh. Okay then. Make your make me your credit sequence half an hour long. Because um, then I haven't got to do anything. I can just sit in the editing room. <laughs> we, we need one shot though at the very end with a twist that might allow us to make a, a fourth movie in which we can cut twenty five minutes from the first movie, twenty five minutes from the second movie, and twenty five minutes from your movie, which is basically the first two movies. 
I Brilliant. I'm just going to film a scene in my living room or something then. <laughs> do, do, like, do like the dead in snuff. Just like tag a bit on the end. Just tag a bit on the end to make people go, brilliant. That is the best film I've ever seen. This is one of the most disturbing movies I've ever seen. Um, Astonishing. I don't get it, man. I don't so get it. So coming up tonight, right, you know, we've got we've got a reversal because you had Inferno that you thought was great and obviously uh-huh. I wasn't a fan of. We've got I, uh, Let Sleeping Corpses Lie tonight, which is a film that I've been going on, on about for a while. Yep. I'd never um, seen it before never, either. Never seen, so I'm excited to see what you think. I hope you yeah. liked it because <laughs> I really enjoyed watching it again. So uh, yeah, we shall see. We shall see. And then we've got our competition answer. Uh, you know, yes. competition winner that we'll announce at the end of the show. Overwhelming response to mm-hmm. the uh, to the competition. Three people. <laughs> so I was about to say I did send sarcasm. In your yeah. tone there, uh, yeah. At least someone, it, uh, someone in America. Can only mean one thing. <laughs> everybody else agrees with me that Inferno's rubbish, and nobody wants to own it. That's that's the only explanation it can be. I think people were so offended by your statements they didn't want to take part in your your travesty. Right, they didn't want to possibly own anything that I touched because I. <laughs> I just, <laughs> like, this is tainted. It's like a disease that spreads. They will hate everything, which is, seems to be what's happening to me recently. <laughs> I've got. I don't like any new film itis. It's, it's really weird, and I don't think it's like we we had a conversation last night like, off here, and um, I, I was really, I, I was really at first I was a bit outraged, and then yeah. I, it settled down, and then I kind of thought to myself. You went through the seven stages of grief, didn't you? I did, yeah, I did, exactly, exactly seven stages. Um, I, I, at the end of my seven stages, um, I... Pity I, now, you just pity me. I don't, it's not that, I pity you. I, 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 there's one thing I would never want, I know that you, I mean, our, our I hate to use the word wheelhouse because I've been mocked before for using it, Andy. Who mocked you? <laughs> Andy. Uh, horror is our wheelhouse, that's our go-to genre. True. And... It is bigger just now than it has been for decades. It's, yeah. Horror is huge business just now. And I would hate to be in the position where when horror is at one of its heights of popularity that's ever had, that's the time that I can't connect with anything. Um, and that's kind of what's happening in your world just now. There's nothing grabbing you. It's, it's, no. it's either that you're you're bored by it um, you, you feel that it's not it's not doing what it should do, or it's just not it's just not bringing something new to the table. And I think it's that it's that one for me. I think. But I, but I think horrors it's very it's very few and far between that horror brings something new to the table. It's been trading off genre stereotypes since the the twenties. You know, what I mean, it's it's always. It always repeats itself. Uh, the, what, what you get is a movie that maybe breaks away, but after yeah. that one movie breaks away, you then get a lot of clones of that movie, and it's it's always be it's always been that way. I think the issue just now is the volume of horror movies that's coming out. I was saying yeah. to you off air that I've compiled a list of horror movies for 2015, and there's over 120 titles on that. Yeah, yeah, which is just fucking insane. So what I think that the my big gripe is that because of the the volume of movies, we're not getting enough time to really 
really look forward to like a movie delivering something in a way which feels kind of fresh because there's not been anything out a couple of months either side of it. At the moment, it's like, here's a horror movie, here's a horror movie, here's a horror movie. And they're also similar because we're following whatever the, the big thing is, whether it's devil movies or vampire movies or whatever. They're also similar that it becomes difficult. The lines become blurred between them. Um, yeah. I have not got that issue <laughs> at the moment, but I, I tend to be very picky with what I choose to watch, and I tend to be, and I get slagged off quite a lot on other shows about this, I tend to gravitate towards more bleak subject matter. I like my horror movies kind of bleak. I don't really like them with a happy ending. No. I kind of like things grim. I kind of like things kind of art house. I kind of like things abstract. I don't like all my questions tied up at, you know, with answers and a nice, nice, neat bow. In fact, sometimes I don't even bother if they even try and answer any questions at the end of a movie. Uh, it's more about the journey through, through the movie. And there are movies that have come out this year that I think have done that brilliantly. But- yeah, which is weird because I'm not... Like I'm not really into the happy endings. I mean, just an example of like something that I was that I've been enjoying on the TV is This Is England, mm. and like obviously I know you're about to kind of start watching it at some point. Um, like there's some episodes of that, and especially the later seasons, you literally feel like you've been in an emotional fucking boxing match and had the shit kicked out mm-hmm. of you. Like there's nothing really the way you come away from that. Now, there's certain episodes where you just fucking take a big sigh and go, fucking hell, all right yeah. then, I've just watched that now. Like, and, and it's brutal and it is grim. And there's nothing kind of really, you know, to make you feel happy. It's, but, um, I, but it's one of my, literally one of the, my, the, my favourite TV shows of all time. Mm-hmm. So it's not that I'm like looking, I don't mind the bleak stuff. And I don't mind certain tropes that they're using like like you say everything's going to be a copy of everything else at this point because we're in yeah. 2015 and we've had like 100 years of horror it's just nobody seems to be doing it particularly well for me like mm-hmm. i've gone back and started watching some older stuff um which is kind of a good thing to come out of me not enjoying sort of this year's horror i've visited some stuff i've probably not watched for about 10 years like i watched uh, jeepers creepers the other day Mm-hmm. Really enjoyed that. I bought Roadkill, it's also known as Joyride, the one with yep. Paul Walker. I remember really enjoying that. Um, I watched The Stuff the other day for the first time. Oh, uh, what did you not- think of The Stuff? I really enjoyed it. It's like it one great. of my favourite movies ever. It's fucking nonsense. Yeah, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Almost like a kind of weird cross between like The Thing and The Blob and all kind of mixed <laughs> into one. I thought it was great. Um, yeah, really good. Night of the Comet, I wasn't want that keen on. Uh, were you not I really like that movie as well just not enough zombies and shit in there for me I thought there'd be a lot more action yeah um, it's a bit subdued but yeah the yeah I thought the stuff was great and the, I'm really loving the Arrow releases at the minute just the thing of like because all new horror films are in full HD and shot on digital so they're crystal clear pictures mm-hmm. and stuff and it's not that impressive but then when you watch something from the 80s and it's really like, and the picture quality is just amazing. There's something really satisfying about watching like a really kind of cheesy, cheap B movie in really great. Obviously, you still got the grain and everything. It's not digital, but it's just really nice picture quality, and mm. the colours are great and all that. So I'm kind of really um, just going back over Arrow stuff and just appreciating how great the transfers are and that at the minute on those. Yeah. Um, but I will, I will come back to some of this modern stuff because there's bound to be something in there. And I've not hated everything I've watched this year. I just think nothing's really scored anything higher than about a three out of five for me. Yeah, it's fucking mind blowing. Shame. 
Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, because I mean, like, and I know these are movies that you tried on my recommendation. Everything I've recommended to you is, this year has fallen flat. But I mean, I loved it. Follows. I thought it was. I thought it was a really fucking good movie. I thought Spring was a really good movie. I actually quite enjoyed Wormwood. I didn't think it was brilliant. Demons Rook. I thought was like a good throwback to. To kind of things like um, the Beyond or House by the Cemetery or things like that, kind of had that kind of Italian seventies, early eighties yeah. zombie I mean, vibe. All, all those ones you've just mentioned, I liked them, you but that was it. Yeah, you just didn't love them. Just um, didn't more love them. It was just yeah, that was alright. That was yeah. That was. It's, it's, it's a it's a weird one. I think. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. I. Um, I think Spring is probably the best one out of all of those you've mentioned. Yeah, Spring, I think Spring's phenomenal. I, I genuinely think, I, I mean, at the moment, I think Spring ranks just a bit higher than it follows for me, and I'll watch them again at the end of the year to see if I feel the same way. But yeah. I thought Spring was just a such a fresh-feeling movie, um, just in that it, it's not really a horror movie, but, you know, it plays with kind of the... the plays with this kind of Lovecraft element, but yeah, I kind of really... Yeah, oh, the, the character like development in, the, in that is a brilliant... I mean, the characters felt real, which, you know, I struggle with a lot of modern horror movies in that, you know, give me a hook, give me something that makes me want to like this character. And yeah. a lot of them struggle with that, not necessarily in the indie movies. Occasionally, like, an indie movie just scores... Like, The Battery is a great example of a movie, from my point of view, where the characters felt like real characters. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, with very little development, within two minutes, I thought, "All oh, right, and I, I, I know someone like you." You know what I mean? I, I know the sort of introverted guy. Yeah, and the thing is, like, when someone's a complete prick, mm-hmm. I can't relate to that because I haven't got mates that are complete bellends because I wouldn't yeah. be friends with them. Exactly, like, and you wouldn't want to spend time with them. You think, why are you friends with this twat? Like, yeah. in his American movies, do it the most. Where like a group of people just hanging around with a guy that is such a wanker, and he's got the really attractive girl, and you think it's, it's not like that. Like you wouldn't, he wouldn't have any fucking mates, or yeah. all his mates would be equal twattiness. Exactly. He wouldn't have it. So like, you know, one's a stone. Like you don't need to have a stereotype either in every film. You don't need to have a stoner, an Asian guy, a black guy, a hot girl, a geek. Like you, it's not always like that. Is that yeah. you don't have a group of mates where there's a one from every stereotype. It's, it's movies it's, by it's, committee. It's, yeah, it's, it's people sitting around the board table saying we need someone that speaks to this demographic. We need someone that represents this demographic, or yeah. you don't. You know, if we we cover all the demographics here, it means when we put this movie out, it has the largest spread. Yeah, but, but it's just insane kind of, as well. That in 2015, the Asian guy is really good with technology. Oh fucking no! The black guy goes, damn! Mm. Like really. Yeah, in 2015. Yeah, I said we've not moved. We've not moved away from that. The 80s stereotype of the jock, the virgin. You know the racist in America. It's but it's not even racist. It's just lazy. It's just really. And I understand that if you're a filmmaker and you've grown up watching 80s movies, you want to kind of on some level let the horror fans know that you're with them. You've seen these movies, but you can do it in so many other ways. Yeah. You don't have to do it by pandering to the lowest common denominator, which is trying to basically blanket coat stereotypes. So I tend to find indie movies are less likely to do that. Mm. They tend to be passion projects by 
by directors who genuinely want to get their script off the ground and out there. Yeah. Um, not all of them. I want to stress that there's a lot of shit out there. And yeah. the ones that do it well are the ones that resonate with me. And those are the ones that I'll then, at the end of the year, sit down and kind of bang the drum. But the, it can also be things that, you know, movies that I just think are doing something different. We were talking about Unfriended, which I don't think is an amazing movie. It has its issues, but there was there was a lot of it which felt fresh and new to me that I was like, this kind of feels like... I mean, this Unfriended will only be relevant for two, three years, and yeah. then Skype will be gone, and Facebook will be something else, and all the rest, and then it's no longer relevant, and yeah. we have that danger. But for that window it comes out, it does speak to this idea that... In the past, you would have had a horror movie with a group of teens going out into the woods camping. Nowadays, it's a bunch of kids sitting speaking on Skype. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. Yeah, it's this idea that kids will text each other rather than meet up. Um, yeah. I drive, I'll, I'll be out, especially this time of year when it's getting darker earlier. You go out and you drive somewhere um, at night to the supermarket, wherever, and you're coming back. Had this been 10, 15 years ago, there would be kids out playing football, chapping mm. doors and running away and all the rest. You don't see it no kids outside no. they're all inside playing computers skyping or texting um really? it's completely you know it's completely different so i quite like the idea of a movie kind of addressing that in some way and i'm not it's, it's not as highbrow as i'm putting that across but this idea of this is how kids communicate now they don't do this old thing of let's all go out and stay in the haunted house it, it doesn't really happen anymore it's more <laughs> kids and i really like that aspect of it yeah, yeah. I just wish they'd went a bit further with the kills in it. I thought the kills were out with the one that we were talking about. There's one particular scene with a blender which you get a snapshot of and it's fucking brilliant. Out with that, the rest of the kills were a bit and the ending was a bit I love the concept of something that's like just forcing you to do stuff. You yeah, know, and you can't help it. Like he, he's completely conscious and awake, and he doesn't want to be putting his hand in that blender. But it's happening. Yeah, and that was really great. I thought, oh, fuck, here we go. I thought, this is it now. This is getting good. Because I think that happens about the halfway mark, and most does, horror films. Yep. Do fuck, yeah, most horror films do fuck all for the first half an hour, and then forty-five minutes in, it gets great, and and it went there, and then it just tapered off again. Yeah, um, I, I just didn't. Yeah, I never really fully committed, and I understand that they, if you're looking through someone's webcam at someone there's only so much you can do in mm, terms of, of setting yeah. setting up a kill but at the same time i would i would have stripped it back and maybe looked at what was more interesting to see as opposed to you know the snapshots yeah. of things and yeah and i mean but it wasn't once again wasn't a terrible movie so no. i don't know i don't know it's a it's a weird it's a, it's a really weird one um however andy we have three movies yeah. Uh, which predate all the movies we've been talking about by several decades. Uh, t- tonight, <laughs> tonight we're doing um, we're doing Last Stop on the Night Train from 1975. We're doing yep. Leap- uh, Let Sleeping Corpses Lie from 1974, uh, and we are doing Nightmare Maker from 1982. Uh, is there anything else you want to address before we go headlong into some movie reviews? No, no, let's do it. Right, so we're going to take a short break. Johnny Krug's promo is going to play. You're going to hear some intellectual folks talking about the last stop on the night train from 1975. When we return, we will be discussing that movie right after this. Do you like movie reviews that are insightful, thought-provoking, and delivered by somebody who's trained to critically dissect every aspect of a motion picture? 
without ever having to use obscenities. Then you've got the wrong f***ing show. Kruger Nation Horror Podcast is ready to feed your slasher movie and exploitation needs. There'll be more blood, expletives, and titties than you can shake your grandma's beetle flaps at. Visit www.krugernation.com. The international popularity of Last House on the Left really impacted on the exploitation film industry. And here's the Italian ripoff, Late Night Trains, or Don't Ride on Late Night Trains, it says on the video. But actually, the title, when it comes up, is actually Night Train Murders. Aldo Lardo is the director. He was Dario Argento's assistant director on Bird with the Crystal Plumage. But he says he never saw Last House on the Left. It was completely new to him. And he actually added a lot more into the script. For example, he says that the whole knife deflowering of the main murder in the film was based on something that happened to one of his wife's best friends at the doctor's, amazingly. Thematically, it fits in with Aldo Lardo's Jallo movie, Short Night of the Glass Dolls. The theme of Late Night Trains is all about um, the upper classes exploiting the proletariat. This is seen in Masha Merrill's upper-class bitch character. The moment she raises the veil on her hat means that she lets all her respectability go, and that's why she can indulge in egging on the two, well, crazed psycho nutters into doing the violence they do on the train. In fact, when she's confronted by the father of the, of the uh, daughter that she's responsible for helping kill, she puts her veil back down, which means that she completely closes off again. Good morning, head guy, sir. Morning, Margaret. Staying here for Christmas? No, I'm going to Italy with Lisa to stay with her family. That'll be nice. She'll be warmer down there. Sure hope so. Bye. Goodbye, girls. Have a good Christmas. Bye. Thank you. Same to you. And welcome back. Right, so first movie that we're going to be tackling here has, we've been joking about this actually, has most of the names than I think any other one on the nasty list, which amuses me to no end. So yeah. um, from, <laughs> from 1975, we're doing Late Night Trains, a.k.a. Lumetto Treno della Notte, um, which is the Italian, obviously. Uh, the Night Train Murders, The New House on the Left, Second House on the Left, Don't Ride the Late Night Trains, Last Stop on the Night Train, Last House Part 2, and Xmas Massacre. I like how they've even done Last Stop as in Last House, just in case you weren't sure. Like, they're just thrown, just chopping about. Yeah, this is this is Last House on the Left, people, on the train. It really is. You remember, that? remember when people were like that, uh, snakes in a plane... I'd finished and people like that, right, we need a, se- a sequel. All we should do is snakes on a train. Because <laughs> it rhymes. Yeah, because it rhymes. I get the feeling that someone... I get I get the feeling that someone just couldn't quite decide how they wanted to remake Last House on the Left. And I get the feeling there was probably some sort of suspense thriller script kicking about somewhere for, like, a kind of Murder on the Orient Express take in Italy, yeah. and then someone handed over to Aldo Lado, uh, who was the, the, the director, and he just decided that he was just going to put in a bit of rape, <laughs> so, as you do. Um, and yeah, th- this is exactly what Andy said. This movie is Last House on the Left, set on a train. Um, 
the the movie, like I say, is uh, directed by Aldo Lado, um, and the synopsis is listed on IMDb. Uh, a pair of psychotic hoodlums and an equally demented nymphomaniac woman terrorise two young girls on a train trip from Germany to Italy. Um, so, I sent Andy a message last night. I actually own this on Blu-ray. 88 films put it out as part of their Italian collection and I hadn't watched it because I knew it was on the list um, so I wanted to wait till nearer the time and then you know basically sit down and watch it so I watched it last night and I was very much aware that in the first 40 minutes of this movie nothing fucking happens like yeah. really nothing happens Um it's a lot of conversations between people, a lot of cut sequences to the girl's father, the girl who, who, who dies on this train, her house, her kind of father and her mother. Um, and it, it, there's just nothing really happening at all. And I mm. sent Andy a message basically saying, I'm just giving you a warning here, this is the slowest slow burn of all time. I can't. I couldn't understand why it was on the list. Could not understand yeah. why it was on the list. And about the 45 minute mark, we're introduced to, well, we're not introduced, but the characters become a bit more prevalent. Um, this one character with a knife and his two companions. So we have, and basically, once again, we are playing directly into this idea of Last House on the Left. We have this yeah. one character who has the, like I say, has the, the, the knife, who's the, the main so, well, we think he's the main guy, but he's not really because he's been spurred on by the woman. This kind of well-dressed, respectable woman who is ultimately the, the 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 main antagonist. She might not necessarily get her hands dirty, but she's the ringleader. She's the one that basically sets everything in motion. She's the one that pushes characters to do things. And the last one, who is basically that character, Krug, <laughs> even looks like Krug. Yeah. Um, he's so so looks like Craig. He's the Italian Craig. Um, yeah. And and so we have these two girls trapped in this carriage, and they're proceeded to be humiliated, um, tortured uh, sexually, to the point that one of them has to give one of the guys a hand job, which once again was quite uncomfortable to watch. The yeah. way they, they the way they set it up, and th this is why this movie will probably get quite a lot of praise from me at the end, is because I was not expecting this turn in this movie at all. Um, no, I mean it starts off with the mugging Santa Claus. Yeah, so you know they're arseholes, but like you say, after that, I think that's just so we know it's Christmas, and then nothing like you say, not a lot at all really happens, and. I think because we know it's not been put on the list, the mm -hmm. you know the original list. Yeah, you are thinking no, not not a lot's going to happen. I agree, yeah. and, and then it does get dark, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and that carriage, really? they're stuck in this carriage um, on a train, which is, you know, whether everyone else is in their carriages is one of these these um, kind of long distance train journeys. And no one seems to be taking an interest at all. And she screams a couple of times and eventually someone does hear it. But no one's coming to the rescue. And yeah. the the first one, you know, is, is forced to, you know, obviously give the, 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 the hand job. Um, and then the, the other girl was kind of forced to take down their underwear in front of them and then forced to kind of spread her legs, mm. which once again... 
her, her face, the kind of fear on her face was played very well, actually. That that yeah. thing in that sequence was not not totally disturbing, but very uncomfortable to watch. And um, then this old guy who has heard the screams, who he, this bit didn't really work for me, actually, because he's outside the door, basically mm. hiding behind this one thin pane and no one notices him for the best part of, like, ten minutes, and he keeps peering yeah. in. And I'm like, fucking, you can see him. There is lights in that hall. Maybe and they knew he's there, though, because they like to be watched, don't they? They do they? like to be watched. So they eventually drag him in and get him to to partake in a bit of... Yeah, a bit of nasty. Just joining in as well, like... Think- and he didn't seem to, it didn't seem to be that hard-pressed to get joined. You know, he wasn't exactly saying, I will not do this. He just... They like, didn't have to twist his arm very much. No, he just gets well involved. So... I mean, yep, sorry. The woman, like the the female, because obviously in Last House on the Left, there's a woman who's in, who's like one, like part of their gang. The woman in this isn't part of their gang, is she? At the beginning, no. And you think Italian Krug's going to rape her, yep. and he kind of goes to, but then she just completely relents the old James Bond thing, and she's mm-hmm. loving it. And then all of a sudden, like she's part of their gang. It's almost like he's like passed something on to her. Because she's just an absolute psychopath, isn't she? And yeah, she's worse. She's she, her actions might not be for her, her actions are nothing really in the movie, mm. but her mind is so demented that she she gets off by putting people in these horrible situations or basically spurring on these two guys to do to up this this level of because things escalate pretty quickly. You move from the you're forcing the women to give a hand job to yeah. to to rape to ultimately this guy who's then going to the guy with the knife who's going to rape her and then we get the scene where I thought this was beautifully shot it then jumps to just after it and the girl is sitting with a look of shock on her face it's like this really yeah. pale expression and the you know the beads of sweat on her face and you think oh they've traumatized her and very similar to what they did in Last House from the Left, funnily enough, where I talk about that one sequence, like the two, three second shot, where the characters all kind of look disgusted with what they've done after the yep. rape. Mm. We get this similar sort of thing. And he is like, I didn't mean to do it, I didn't mean to do it. And I'm like, well, you kind of did mean to rape her. And then we pan round and see that he's actually stuck his knife in her vagina. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's bleeding out and so from that point they go into we have taken things far too far we're not murderers um, we are now we need to cover our tracks yep. which results in them basically kind of getting rid of the old guy not killing him but getting rid of the old guy um, getting rid of her friend and then Get rid of the body, which they do by basically launching it out the train window. And fair play to them, the dummy actually looked like a body. Yeah, it did the way it fell, yeah. Yeah, felt very realistic and not like a, a dummy. And then we fall right into Last House from the Left Territory here. The One of them is injured, the woman is injured. The girl who they've killed, her parents, her dad is a doctor. Um, they come across something, they take them back to their house. <laughs> As if that had happened. Yeah, it would never fucking happen. Especially yeah. when your daughter hasn't arrived, you would be panicking like fuck, which they seem oh, to be well, like, oh, well, d- it, we'll do Christmas without them. It's all right. <laughs> at, le- at least the food won't go to waste now because we found three vagrants at the fucking train station. <laughs> so they, they bring them back, um, they repair her, 
the mother is a bit suspicious when she sees a tie. Yeah. Which the daughter had um, around this guy's neck, which may, very similar again, Last House on the Left, when it came to the, was it the jewellery? It was the necklace, wasn't it? In yeah, Last House. pendant or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, so she starts to get suspicious, but the husband's like, no, it's not like that at all. Um, and then when he goes out to his car, he's starting to you know get a bit more concerned. He goes out to the car, he hears a news report confirming that the daughter of his body's been found. And the old guy who was threatened by them has phoned in anonymously to say, look out for this well-dressed woman. It's funny, uh, you say like anonymously, he, I think at one point he tries to cover the mouthpiece of the phone with his hanky, but then yeah. by the time he's talking, it's just fallen away and he just hasn't noticed. Yeah, he hasn't noticed at all. And I want that. It's 1975. No one is recording this conversation no, you, no like, you don't need gonna... a screen voice changer, mate. It's all right. They've not got the technology yet. Yeah, no one's tracking this call. You know what I mean? You're yeah. you're fine. Um, if anything, they're likely to get you off the fingerprints you've left, not your voice, dipshit. Um, so that felt really contrived to me there because they would not announce the name of the of the person until no. they informed the families. No, they they wouldn't have done anything like that. And it's obviously this idea of trying to segue into how the parents find out. It just they could have been done better. Yeah, yeah. Just, it's it's kind of once again it's lazy. It's this quick way of. Uh, I can see why they did it to an extent because it's a quick device to get it transferred over to get to the killing. At the same time, though, you would be talking about a two or three minute better. Ex- they could have had the police phone the house. Yeah. You know what I mean? Instead of hearing them over the radio, but they hear it over the radio anyway. The dad obviously recognising the woman then grabs a woman and I thought this was fucking genius this is where this what this movie scores huge points for me the woman basically plays into it by saying listen these two guys are, are drug addicts or psychopaths they forced me a woman helpless woman against my will it's mm. them you want so he goes on the rampage and uh, this rampage is fucking awesome he attacks a guy with a knife <laughs> with an, yeah. an IV drip pole uh, and it must be a glass jar with the water in it. I think um, it must be like um, a, a, what's it called, like saline saline solution. Yeah, it must have originally been in glass bottles as opposed yeah, to rather uh, plastic. Yeah. So he smashes it over the head with with, with this, which you know obviously cuts his face up very poorly because <laughs> it's just fake blood. There's no cuts or anything. No, no. And then oh, this is amazing. He then spins it round like Jackie Chan. He spins this pole round like a martial arts instructor. Takes the pointy end and then stabs a the guy in the dick with it. <laughs> Brutal. Yeah. It really rams it in there. It really, really does. And then kind of pulls it back out and, and then continues to repeatedly stab this guy with a pole. And then we think that this guy's dead, but he's not. And then I thought... Well, this guy's going to crawl over to where the mother is with the woman and mention that it was all her idea or something, and that's how she'll get her comeuppance. Meanwhile, the Krug-looking guy goes on the run, but it turns out the dad, bit of a hunter, Andy. I thought that when he got the like the ammo belt, I thought he's done some clay pigeon shooting. He's going to be used <laughs> to hitting moving targets. So then he starts hunting them down through the forest, um, eventually shooting them in the neck, uh, or grazing his neck, and shooting them in the leg. And then once again, we get this kind of sequence where the, the dad is like en- enraged, he's standing over the body, the mother runs down, begs for mercy for the guy, and he's having none of it, shoots him, we can only assume in the face, yeah. um, then walks, kind of like the wife's hugging him, then the woman walks down and I'm like, right, this is where we see her comeuppance. Nope. <laughs> no, she pulls down her veil, 
and kind of looks off into the distance. Cut to credits. The bitch yeah. got away with it. Got away with this shit. I mean, because the thing is, well, like one of initially one of my kind of main things was I don't I don't know why that woman would be on board. You know, you, a lot of the chances of just bumping into someone that's on the same wavelength as you and wants to commit these horrendous acts. But mm. so many people do manage to meet up with like-minded people. Like I don't understand, right? If you're like a paedophile or whatever into doing whatever you want to do to kids. How do you find out someone else is into that? I don't know how you test the waters. I don't know how you go, do you, uh, do you like molesting kids? <laughs> no. <laughs> do you like molesting kids? No, no, of course no, not. Uh, well, I, yeah. What do you mean, yeah? Well, <laughs> if, well, if you're into it, then I wasn't joking. If you're not, I was just joking. Obviously. I'm just joking, obviously. I don't, I don't know how you get into that. I don't know how... Well, that happens that you go to. But you see, but you see it all. You see it in things like, I mean, we like mentioning serial killers over here. Fred and Rose West. Yeah. How did two completely like-minded sadomasochistic killers meet up, marry each other? Mm. You know what I mean? So it's so fucking weird, but it does happen, and yeah, maybe it's a bit contrived in this one that you know you would happen to just bump into these people on a train journey. Mm -hmm. But what what I quite liked about this is the this idea of, and it's similar to Last House on the Left, but I think it's better developed in this movie about each of them having their own bent that they get off on. Yeah. She's not she is not a violent person. She gets off on watching people be sexually tortured. Mm. She doesn't want to do the torturing. Um, yeah. one of them gets off on being in complete power and control with his knife. Mm. And the other one just gets off by being violent. Yeah. Um and you we get these it's almost like this perfect cocktail of of horror when all three of them get together because they esc- they move to the next level out with anything that any of them have ever done before. They mm. they basically move to this next level. And I think the movie actually handles it really fucking well. Yeah. I was surprised. That kind of shocked me. Um, and yeah, I know we were joking earlier on about it's Last House and Left by, on, on a Train. There's a lot of this movie overall which is handled much better and filmed much better and given a lot more attention to detail and a lot a lot better basis and grounding than a last house on the left. I don't think it's as scary as Last House on the Left in terms of subject matter, because I think what makes Last House on the Left kinda of hit home more than anything for me is how raw that movie feels. There isn't a polish or a shine, it's shot very guerrilla style. Yeah. Um, this is really good quality. Obviously you put it on Dropbox for me. Yeah. About a one and a half gig version and even blown up on my T V the quality was really good on it. Yeah. So you lose that a little bit, um, like you say, the grittiness, because it did look quite polished. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty brutal, some of the stuff. I mean, there's certain bits that are really effective in Last Us on the left, and then there's obviously other bits that are not as effective, like some of the revenge bits at the end. Yeah. It's a bit shit. And I think it's the same with this. Like There's yeah. some of the stuff that's really fucking brutal and, and, uh, and effective, and then there's some stuff that, that's not so good. Like For me, at the end, I know the, the mum didn't really want any more violence but like when the guy came crawling over towards them the first thing i thought was i could see a big rock in the background yes i was the same i thought she was going to grab the rock and smash his head um but i can understand like you know there's been too much killing and that sort of thing like that i suppose that might be quite a realistic reaction possibly from someone uh you know so yeah there's certain bits that i think really do work and yeah like the, the humiliation stuff is quite brutal 
yeah it's quite awful um like you know the, the fact that even though you don't see it he does stab her in the fanny with a knife yeah and she's a virgin as well yeah and it's almost like they're using, you know, we want to take your virginity with the knife. And, and the fucking other woman goes, oh, yeah, the same thing was done to me with a scalpel. Like, it's just normal. Like, that was yeah. a fucking weird thing to say. So, yeah, there's some bits that were genuinely quite fucking nasty. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, pretty awful. And, like, even just the old fella on the train, like, joining in, you know, that, that kind of reminded me a bit of, uh, like, Irreversible. You know, like, yes. it's someone that could stop it but doesn't. Doesn't stop it, yeah. Yeah, and and so, uh, yeah, I think it was. I, for me, it's it's on par with Last House on the Left with kind of how nasty it gets, even though yeah. it's not as well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. It's well acted because obviously David Hess is brilliant. Yeah, in that movie and in his other guy, like the other, not the son, but his like sidekick, his mate, he's fucking absolutely vile. And they were kind of what make it along with the grittiness. And I think I told you, didn't I? The the reason the acting on the girls in Last House on the Left is so effective. Mm-hmm. Is because there was there was a point when they kind of thought we're not sure if this is a if this is a proper film, you know? Yeah. Because they're in the middle of a forest with a very minimal film crew, and the mm-hmm. like. And I think when you know when they're doing the humiliation stuff, being made to strip and piss themselves and stuff, I think in the back of their minds they were actually concerned that this was, this was really happening, and it wasn't a film, and it was you know someone was kind of making a snuff movie. And yeah. So that's why that's really fucking creepily effective. But the acting with the girls in this was pretty good. I was believing it, mm-hmm. especially when she's kind of sat there traumatized and stuff. It was. Yeah. Um, and also the thing of throwing yourself out of a speeding train rather than being attacked again. Yeah. It's really pretty. Ter- it's a terrifying thought. Horrendous, you know, because she kind of looks out the window for a second and. And you just see like the countryside whizzing by at really, you know, great speed. And it's not like you could jump in. You're not going to survive if you jump from the window. Either you're pretty, I'd say, 99% sure you're going to die horrendously oh. if you jump from that window. But she'd still rather do that Didn't, than yeah. face any more torment from them two. And I think, God, that's fucking, that's brutal, that. Yeah. Something really fucking horrendous about that. Because you do hear of people doing that. You know, yeah, like, oh, jump- yes. Jump you know, out of, like people that have been abducted in vehicles um, yeah. or whatever will jump out of a moving car to save themselves rather yeah. than be, or even just somebody like jumping out of the first floor window to avoid like their abusive husband or whatever yeah. and breaking the legs on the way down just because yeah. that's that's a better alternative than whatever the husband's going to do to them. Yeah. It's pretty. That was really effective. Um, yeah, and like you say, when she jumps out and the, and the, like the body hits the stones. Mm. It, it falls like a body falls. I mean, yeah. we—I can't remember which film it is that we watch where someone gets like. I think they jump. I think it was Killing None. <laughs> I think yeah. where when the person hits the floor, the arm flies off, <laughs> <laughs> and then in the next shot, the arm's back on because obviously the dummy, the dummy just blew up like when it hit the floor. And yeah, so the fact that when you see a body that's obviously been made to look realistic when it lands because you know you you do go limp don't you you know a lot of these films like they use dummies but the dummy is rigid so it looks shit when the person hits the ground or get or a car hits them but when the dummy's obviously floppy like a person would be mm-hmm. yeah it just made it just added that extra bit of realism to it it was uh, quite nasty yeah i think the only thing the only the, the only detriment to this movie is like i say it's that it takes it takes incredibly long time you to, could literally skip to 45 minutes in and it would not really hinder anything. It wouldn't hinder the movie at all. There's, you've not missed really anything at all yeah. there. And I, I, they're trying to, I, on some level, understand some of it. They're trying to they're trying to get you to sympathise with these two girls 
that are on the train but because we're seeing the parents of one of the girls getting ready for her returning and this yeah. idea they're trying to on some level really humanise her but I think that those characters do such a good job on the train in those sequences anyway that you don't really need we don't need 40 minutes of that no, I, you don't. I, you don't need that because, like most people's parents, love them and wouldn't want to see their children raped. Exactly. So you don't. It's almost like that goes without saying. It, yeah. You don't need to see like even even from someone from not a particularly happy family. Nobody wants that to happen to their kids. So yeah, it's almost pointless. But I mean, this. I think this is an hour forty. This film. Yeah. And it yeah. could have been an hour twenty. I would agree. You could cut a good twenty minutes out that the opening of this movie. Um, get them on the train, a bit of character development, a bit of introduction to the characters, and then get them in the carriage with the cycles. I think it would have it would have worked a bit better. But that was really my only gripe. Um, mm. I'd never seen this movie before. I would watch this movie again. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was far better than a movie like this should be a movie which is basically ripping off another movie an Italian movie that's ripping off you know an American grindhouse classic should not be as good as this is Um, and it it really did surprise me and I loved the ending I thought the ending was just a little stroke of genius Um, this idea that she's she's now scot-free she can wipe her hands from it because because she's a woman because she's a woman you know, and a woman wouldn't possibly do something like that. So, yeah, it's a brilliant. good little twist. Absolutely brilliant. So, anything else you want to say about this movie before we grade it, Andy? No, no, let's uh, let's grade it because this will be interesting. We've not, yes. had, uh, not had anything this controversial for a while. So, uh, yeah. So, we had rape again. Um, we had humiliation. Um, we had, obviously, violence, gore. Um, to me, it's I, I think it's um, community service, I think, after coming with, surprisingly. Um... Because I was thinking, Last House and Left for me is obviously it's the full booner. You know what I mean? It was, it, you know, it was, you know, in prison, incarcerated. That's you, you know, lock the keys through the the keys away, lock the door. Um, and part of me thinks this movie should be in there as well, but I think it takes a bit long to get into it. I think um, it's shot really well, which I kind of. <laughs> kind of works to its detriment a little bit I think it's sometimes it's a bit too polished so I, I didn't feel as yucky watching it in bits that I did yeah. watching Last House um, yeah. I couldn't in good conscience just give it a slap on the wrist because I have given community services community service to movies that are tamer than this one um, mm. so I think it's, it's community service for me and I actually think um, this should have been on the original list this should have mm. been on the you know the the the, the list of prosecuted titles, I, I'm not quite sure why this one got dropped. It seems really strange to me. This one gets dropped, but Last House gets kept. I don't understand that. What about yourself? Yeah, exactly the same. I don't get the opportunity to, to kind of say this, so I'll just sort of reiterate, because we've probably not done this for absolutely months now, but the my thing that I've always said is, it's more the, it's not just the content, it's the way it's delivered. You know, it's, it's the way these scenes are acted by the people um, that make it awkward to watch and difficult to watch. And the scenes in this, because they're well acted and it's very believable, it, it's got to be, yeah, community service for me as well. The, for the bits I've mentioned, you know, the, the humiliation scenes are believable and quite disturbing. The rape scene's quite nasty, you know, you get, you know, and she's getting stabbed with a knife, it's pretty gross. 
the fact that she'd rather throw herself from the train, you know, than get attacked by these people again. It's all pretty nasty stuff, and it could have been done really shit, mm-hmm. but it wasn't. It's actually, you know, I'm, I was convinced that this was happening very much in the same way as, as in Last House on the Left. So, yeah, so I've got to give it community service. Um, the gore and stuff's not particularly bad in it, and I, to be honest, I would have preferred the dad to, like, do more horrendous stuff to the person. Yeah. But I think that's just because it's built up i mean they're absolutely vile characters and the the woman i wanted to see something horrendous happen to her because she's she's just got a really punchable face as it is you know and just the fact that she's really enjoying what's happening to these people you can't wait for her to get her revenge and it never comes um but that's kind of a good thing because you're expecting that to happen so Mm -hmm. it's a good little slap in the face to the viewers that we don't get that um so now this, yeah, I totally agree with you, community service, and I don't understand why this was never prosecuted. Yeah. I'd, I'd, it's, I really don't understand. When you look at, again, you know, we always come back to stuff like evil speak and that that was on the original list that did get prosecuted. Mm-hmm. How, it, uh, I don't understand. It's, you know, <laughs> it's just, there's no point kind of going on about how rickety ridiculous it is because... Is never going to cease to amaze us. I don't think we're constantly going to have our minds blown as to who's making these decisions because a film like this that is watched for all the nasty bits I've just mentioned and then go, nah, it's fine. That you know, that's uh, that's perfectly acceptable. I don't get it, but it should have been on the original list and it should have been prosecuted. We should have been talking about this about three or four months ago. Agreed. Agreed. One hundred percent. I understand why it's on there, but um, so yeah, it's a good little surprise. For anyone that's been following us and you know and realizing that the movies are becoming incredibly tame, all of a sudden this one turns up. Yeah, I, I genuinely <laughs> thought we would be in a position, especially after the first couple that we did on the non-prosecuted. I didn't think we would be recommending anything. We'd be going back over on that original list. Mm. So yeah, very 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 strange. Now Andy, 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 Andy. Last uh, yeah. last show episode number nineteen. Yep. I put my reputation on the line. I went out there, I put myself out there, I put forward a movie which was near and dear to my heart that the other one hadn't seen, mm-hmm. and I got it stamped on. My heart was stood on, I it pissed on I my... Think there's still a little bit of your heart on the bottom of my shoe. <laughs> yeah, still down there. So, um, this episode... Uh, now, you've been raving... This movie... I t- but we'll get into it, right? But this movie gets mentioned all the fucking time. And this is one that I had not seen. And one that I was supposed to watch last year for a show I was doing. Um, about the December. In fact, it would have been about the December, January time. Uh, for Midnight Horror Show, we were going to be doing our top 20 zombies list. And they were all batting names about. And Let Sleeping Corpses Lie came up. And I'd said, oh, you know what? I'm going to... I'm, I'm going to be doing that in the nasties. I'm not going to watch it until I do the yeah. nasties. Uh, so oh. I've held off again, even longer. And yeah. um, we're going to we're going to take a break. We're going to play promos for shows on the Horrorphilia podcast and network, the network that we are associated with and exclusively delivered through to your ear holes um, and surrounded by some of some of the best horror podcasts in the business. Um, on Horophilia and then we're going to hear some people tell you why Let Sleeping Corpses Lie is either a great movie or a not so great movie and then we're going to hear Andy tell us why it is a great movie and then I shall speak let's do it (laughs) we're going to be right back after this 
there are many mysteries in this world, and whether you believe or not believe, we gather to explore the strange and unexplained, where the paranormal is normal, and nothing tastes like chicken. We are Mysterious Boom! Exclusively on the Horophilia Network of Podcasts. One of the better rip-offs of George Romero's classic Night of the Living Dead is Jorge Grau's The Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue. I think this film's had more titles and more versions than you could possibly imagine. Anti-establishment is a bit laughable now when you see the hippie stuff, but that's one of the reasons why people really took to it at the time. Listen, boy, you keep getting on my nerves and I'm going to give you another kind of house to look after. One with lots of bars in the windows! They saw that whole, you know, anti-establishment message as being quite important and ecologically sound. Very violent for its time, very gory. One of the very first films pre-Dawn of the Dead to feature things like disemboweling, breasts being ripped off guts spilling. Quite shocking. Hey! You shut it! And welcome back. So, movie number two of this episode, Let Sleeping Corpses Lie, um, from 1974. Now, this is very confusing, so bear with me on this. This is a Spanish-Italian horror film um, (laughs) set, well, sort of set slash shot in Manchester and Derby and, you know, the Peak District and somewhere else as well. Really weird. Also, some of it's shot abroad. Mm-hmm. It's very confusing. Um, this we you were talking earlier about the previous movie having the most kind of alter alternate names. This one's actually got sixteen different names. Oh, so this one beats it then. This one beats it. This is uh, just a couple of them: are the Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue, um, Don't Open the Window, Do Not Profane the Sleep of the Dead, um, <laughs> Let Sleeping Corpses Lie. Uh, hmm. So. Let me just find, because I had this up earlier, all the different names of the places. It's so bizarre. Um, I can't find it. I've lost it. That's really annoying. <laughs> it's basically, it's like it's shot in Spain and it's shot in England, but it's shot in about three different places in England. Um, it's called The Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue, but he's the guy's just kind of driving down from Manchester on his bike. Mm. It's nothing to do with Manchester. And if any of you have been to England, it is not Manchester where they are, um, is in kind of the Lake District. Um, or is it, no, the Peak District, isn't it? In Peak Darby, District. which is where I was yesterday, actually. Um, and it looks, it's far more realistic that it's going to be set there. Um, this is basically about a guy called George um, who's taking a trip from Manchester down to, it says the Lake District, I think it's the Peak District. I don't think anyone kind of knows. I think people just think England is England, don't they? Yep. <laughs> Writing these things and don't realise there's kind of drastic differences between somewhere like Manchester and uh, somewhere like the Peak District. But he's driving down anyway um, on his motorbike. And his motorbike gets accidentally knocked over um, by a woman at a petrol station who's filling up her car. Um, So that's kind of scuppered his plans. So he says, right, you've got to give me a lift 
to wherever I want to go because you've trashed my bike. Um, so she's kind of forced to do that. Uh, and then that kind of throws these two people together, uh, takes them kind of to the destination. And then we really quickly get what you kind of think is a zombie attack. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're not quite sure because the woman obviously witnesses a zombie attack. We know that there's something not quite right about this guy with like bright red, really fucking cool contact lenses, actually. Yes. Um, guys wearing a really good effect. Um, but she kind of gets told, no, nah, it's just the, it's the local pisshead. Like, don't worry about it. He's fine. It's just the local drunk. You know, don't don't worry. And she just kind of leaves at that. And I think this is this is the only time you could get away with this kind of plot device is in the seventies. <laughs> she's just a woman. She doesn't really know what she's talking about. She's just a bit hysterical because she's just been attacked. Don't listen to her. And that's kind of the theme throughout this. I mean, George. As much as I really like the character of George, you can't help but think he's a bit of a chauvinist pig. Mm-hmm. But I'm kind of on board with him a little bit because she did trash his bike. So like when he's on a bit... <laughs> I'm kind of on board with him a little bit. Women should stay in the kitchen. <laughs> no, but you know like when he's having little digs at her, like, because he says, look, I'm going to drive your car because... He does. That's not, I thought that was very... <laughs> I was a bit taken back when that happened, actually. He's like, you need to drive me somewhere, but I will drive women. But basically, she's, she reverses into his bike because obviously she doesn't check her mirrors properly or whatever. So he says, look, I'm going to drive because we'll end up going there in reverse all the way if you drive. Mm. And you think, oh, that's a bit harsh. But then you think, well, no, because she did just reverse into his bike. So I'm kind of on board with him having a little dig at her because she obviously didn't, you know, she's not a very good driver. So I kind of didn't mind that. Um, and then they've got this really great plot device, which I've never really seen in a zombie film before. And I suppose you could argue that this isn't really a zombie film based on the plot device they use, but it's like um, an agricultural machine mm-hmm. that these guys have developed. And what it does, it emits like a weird sound that affects the local insects um, and sends them really violent and crazy and they attack each other. So instead of covering all the crops in pesticides, which is what everybody, you know, what happens today, this is like a new device that basically makes all the insects turn on each other, makes them really aggressive and violent, and they all kill each other. Um, but little do they know that the same sort of sound that's been emitted from this machine also affects, because the insects are very primitive, what they say is when a person dies, there's a part of their brain that kind of remains for a while, and that's mm. obviously a really primitive bit of their brain, and that's the part of the brain that's getting affected by this machine, which is why the people then come back to life. Um, and it also affects little babies as well, doesn't it? Which is for the kind of the same reason they're saying that you know a newborn baby, the, the brain hasn't fully developed yet, so they're still quite primitive. So this machine also affects babies and makes them really aggressive. So I thought it was a great little plot device that I've never seen before, um, in any of these kind of you know zombie films, and I don't think it's been done since either. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that leads in just to uh, just to some really great zombie action, really, uh, in this little town. And you've also got the the police um, because people start to die. People start to die at the hands of the the zombies that are kind of starting to come back because it's near a church, so it's like a morgue, and that's where we get all the bodies from. Um, but the two people get blamed by the local cop for the murders. Because and I think that's another great thing in this is like the relationship between George and the cop. He fucking hates him, doesn't he? Because George <laughs> yeah. is kind of quite good looking. He dresses well. He, you know, he's. He, I suppose he'd be the equivalent of a bit of a hipster, wouldn't he? In today, today's society, and the cop fucking hates him. And I think that's that's a brilliant relationship between them two. Um, 
I don't I even think it understand. also also plays into that idea of the era as well. Um, George is on some level a bit of a hippie as well. Um, yeah, yeah. And the authority types hated hippies because they're obviously anti. They're anti-authority, you know, they're all about peace and free love and mm. whatnot. And, and that's, you know, the, the police are the man. And you don't cave into the man. Well, that's and- it. And I think that, that's what's great about it is that this copper in this little like peak district or wherever it is they are, is probably used to people being terrified of him yeah. because he's a copper. You know, he's allowed to give people a clip around the ear. Nobody back chats him. And then George turns up, he's a really kind of strong, confident character, and he just takes no shit from this copper. And that and the copper fucking hates him for it. You know, not only is he a hippie and he dresses really well and he's obviously really cocky, he's not taking any shit. So that's a, a great dynamic between them two. Um, and then you've got like uh, Edna, the woman, she's got like a drug addicted sister. So you've kind of got that little little kind of plot point going on. Um and then when the dead come back, it's just brutal because they're not because, like I say, it's not like a zombie thing. It's just that their their brains have been forced to become aggressive. So these are thinking zombies. Mm-hmm. These are a bit like Land of the Dead zombies that kind of know what they're doing. So these are zombies that will pull a huge stone cross out of the ground and use it as a battering ram to get to someone. So even though they're really primitive and they're a bit slow and they're a bit kind of Dawn of the Dead Romero zombies, they're also really fucking aggressive and they're really fucking strong and they're quite clever as well. So it's fucking great. But I'm dying to know what you thought about this because this is... Did you have the Blue Underground edition, yep. didn't you? Yeah. Which is what I bought. Um, great transfer. Uh, really enjoyed watching it the second time, but I was thinking, oh, I really hope Duncan likes this. I hope he doesn't just say fucking hates it to get me back for Inferno. But I know you wouldn't do that. So tell me what you think. Did you like it? I fucking hate it. You hated it? Uh, no, I'm all joking. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I didn't love it, but I okay. didn't hate it. And I all think right. it's the sort of movie that I think with repeat viewings, I will enjoy more. Yeah. Um, this movie holds a, a lot of hype for me, and this is not your fault. This is no. just the horror community in general. When yeah. people talk about zombie movies, this movie is mentioned incredibly high. Okay. And as a result, I don't know exactly what I was expecting. This movie, please, and very much like Night Train, <laughs> that we were just doing earlier, plays off that last house on the left. This movie really plays off Night of the Living Dead. Like, really plays off it. And oh, there yeah. are there are certain tropes and sequences and shots in this movie that are damn near the same, even right down to the sequence before the end, how mm. how George eventually dies, is very Night of the Living Dead. Uh, but this time they've transferred that instead of a black man getting shot, it's a hippie getting shot. Um, yeah. Which I, I quite like the idea, they're trans- transferring over to something more in keeping with the tone and the era of when the movie was made, very similar to how I really enjoyed the Night of the Living Dead remake, because in that one, they move it towards this idea of gender politics, which is the big issue at the time when Night of the Living Dead coming out during the, you know, this idea of racial politics. So, you know, I, I, I appreciate when you're going to take something over, but at least try and adapt it to the concerns of what's going on in the time. Um, like yourself, I really like this idea of it not being, uh, you know, this kind of unique way of bringing the dead back, which does on mm. some level kind of feel 
in keeping with movies like The Crazies, for example, although yeah. I think The Crazies may have come after this movie. Mm. I think I'm not. I I would be lying if I say I could remember exactly when the crazies came out. Um, but there's this idea of this kind of uh, this alternative kind of way to protect crops from insects and all the rest, and you know that kind of the chemical getting out and whatnot. So yeah, I, I like that idea as well. I I like the zombie design in this one. I thought the zombies were actually pretty fucking menacing. Um, yeah. Even though they're slow moving Romero style zombies, I really liked yeah. that. Um, I thought the casting was all right. I have my issue with the dubbing. I think the dubbing in this movie is quite off putting because yeah. they they try and do, and it's probably more annoying from a UK point of view. They try and do regional accents, English regional accents, which just don't make sense, and the words that come out their mouth would never be spoken by people in that area. Yeah. I'd said to you off air, there's a particular line, and I, I should have written it down, but a shopkeeper who has a kind of kind of it's, it's almost like a Yorkshire sort of accent mm. um, says something and I know people from Yorkshire I've got a couple of friends from down that way uh, and I, I if I asked them if they said that word or would say that word they would probably laugh me out the you know out the building because uh, it just doesn't feel natural um, however it, it kind of ends up in the way that I expected it it ends up with that kind of siege style zombie sort of movie which I quite appreciate um, there is a, a, a degree of emotional angst for all of two seconds before he throws the woman back in the fire which I, you know I thought was pretty funny kind of oh no you're not I sort of right in the fire um, <laughs> he's just like, no, he's, he does not mess about George George doesn't mess about he's like there's another woman out there for me um, anyway she should have been making a sandwich and no driving um, that's George speaking not me I don't believe in that at all uh, and then I like I like the fact that he's shot because um, I hate hippies and uh, no I'm all joking I, 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 I do like the idea of him it was quite unexpected to see him just get shot by that cop and the fact that the cop makes sure that even after these two shots there's one more shot in the head just just to make sure he doesn't speak about anything and then ultimately the the payoff of that of George coming back as a zombie at the end to take his revenge on the cop was pretty cool because like you see there's a a great line that the cop says because there's some good sort of things between the the cop and George anyway like where the woman says oh do you not trust the police and George goes no I fucking don't and especially not him and it's like this weird thing where wherever George has come up from you know he doesn't fucking trust police but in the Peak District where it was all the local police everybody probably does and the copper hates him so much. After he kills him, he actually says, I wish you'd fucking come back so I can shoot you again, you bastard. He fucking yeah. like, hated him. I thought that's a great line because he does come back. Um, you know, and he, and he does come back so he can shoot him again, but he can't, obviously, because he's now a zombie and, uh, and he kills him. Mm-hmm. Which, like you say, is a complete rip-off of uh, you know, the Night of the Living Dead, you know, where somebody basically uses the fact that he can get away with killing someone because he can blame it on the fact that they're a zombie. So he does, you know. Um, yes, yeah, so I thought that was great. Um, I've just found the production thing. This is how confusing it is when you look at. It's basically it's set in the English countryside. This film, which is obviously where the name Living Dead at the Manchester Moor comes from, but it was primarily filmed in Italy. The scenes feature the outside of a hospital. They were shot in Barnes Hospital in Cheadle, Greater Manchester. Mm-hmm. Um, some sh- some scenes, which I'm 
I'm going to go out on a limb and say, well, the outside scenes have got to be filmed at the Peak District in Derbyshire, which is where I was yesterday. And they look really similar to that. So, yeah, some scenes were filmed in the Peak District. The church scenes were shot in Hathersage. Um, and other scenes were shot in Castledon and Dovedale. And the opening montage was filmed in Manchester. So, fucking, hell. fucking all over the place. <laughs> don't really know how that's a viable thing to do, you know, budget-wise, to be shooting and pissing around in that many different locations. Yeah. Have to be flying the actors around, bringing like lugging all the equipment up and down the country, because Manchester's a good fair way from Derby, you know. Yeah, it's, it kind of feels like it's a I good mean, three hours. It's not the kind of thing you could just jump in the car and like nip up the road. It's you know they're trekking about, so it's a weird one. I'll be interested in now kind of the production, you know, the reason that was done that way. Yeah, it's, I, I I don't know. I, I like. I suppose from their point of view, they're out with England, so one area of England is as good as any area of England, you know, if it's a Spanish production, that it probably Mm. doesn't... I mean, from our point of view, it's something that we pick up a bit more noticeable where you look at something that does not look like, you know, a particular area. You you get that with American movies at times where a director will... In fact, one of the greatest ones... uh, In fact, we've covered already a couple on this one. um, Absurd, which... Was supposed to be set in America, clearly shot in Italy. Oh Italy. yeah, uh, or, or or a movie that never made the list, um, which is unfortunate because I would love to talk about. But Pieces, which is supposed to be set in America, clearly shot in Spain. Um, you, yeah. you know, see, so you, you get that idea where you know maybe people on some level, maybe back then it just wasn't a, as big a deal. Um, it's certainly noticeable that it's not in the one town or the one city. Um, yeah, for the most part, I, I enjoyed it. I thought there was a lot which made it feel like... And you've got to take into account this is 1974, so a lot of these mm-hmm. things have been done since um, since this movie. So it did kind of feel like they were trying to break new ground, put their own spin on things. Um, I, I don't love it. I think that's. I think that was my my thing. I really wanted to love the movie, but like I say, I get the yeah. feeling that the more I watch this movie, moving forward, the more now that that kind of that pressure of hype that has been on this movie is now gone because I've seen it. I think the next time I watch it, I'll appreciate it a lot more. Yeah. See, I'm really worried that I've hyped up this is England too much. <laughs> oh, not at all. You don't like it, do you, Andy? That's really, yeah, yeah, that's worried me that. I'm thinking, oh, I, I think it's my, it's my issue, and I under, I understand like that I sometimes let myself be swayed towards this idea that something's going to be maybe on a level which a, a movie like this would never aim to be. Um, this yeah. is never going to be the Citizen Kane of zombie movies, you know what I mean? No, but at, no. at the same time, though, like I say, there was a lot of it that I actually thought in the mindset of movies that came out in the time, this is actually a really fucking good movie. Um, There was, like I say, a couple of niggling issues that I have with... The dubbing really, really did annoy me um, in the movie, but I know that that's something that annoys me most times with most movies that are dubbed the first time I watch it. The second time I watch it, I just, you know, I just let it slight water off a duck's back. Um, So, yeah, I'm glad I watched it. I really am glad I watched it. And it is a movie, definitely, that, once again, like Night Trains, that I will will come back to in the future. And I dare say, through time, it'll go higher and higher up on my zombies list. I did a top 20 zombie movies list, and I would say that this comfortably makes a 20. Okay, cool. So, I, I I really did enjoy it. 
So, yeah, yeah, it was, it landed successfully. Uh, very much like the way I would have liked Inferno to land with you, Andy. I but know, but you knew it wasn't going to. I knew, no, I knew it wasn't going to. Uh, right, so, um, anything else you want to say about this movie, or shall we grade it and move on to our final movie review? Yeah, let's uh, let's grade it then. So, with this one for me, it is just a uh, slap on the wrist. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm the same. I think it's a it's a slap on the wrist. Um, there's some good gut munching, and there's some there is some pretty good people being torn apart by zombies and that sort of thing. But it's pretty standard. There's nothing too horrendous. It's just good old fashioned zombie gore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, and in terms of its list placement, should it be on the original list? Nah, I'm the same. Definitely not. I don't really understand why it was uh, considered because we haven't really got many zombie films. On the list, full stop. I don't know. The censor didn't seem to have that much of a problem with zombies, did they? No. no. I don't know why this one all of a sudden, you know, maybe just because it was living dead at the Manchester Morgan and thought, hang on a minute, that's England, <laughs> Manchester. <laughs> how, dare you? Think. <laughs> yeah, how dare you? How dare you? You can't. Put... Yeah, so that's, that's really all I can think of is that it's uh, Manchester flagged up, you know, yeah. and living dead, Manchester. I'll fuck it, let's have a look at it. And obviously they came to their senses and it never got prosecuted. Yeah. All yeah. right. It's still a good movie. I'd still definitely check it out for people. I mean, most people might have seen it because it is one of the more famous zombie movies. But if you hadn't, I'd uh, I'd certainly recommend. Oh, it's a it. recommend. Yeah, it's a definite recommend. So far, two for two on this show. This yeah. is very surprising. Um, we're going to take a short break. We're going to return with our final movie review, which is <clears throat> Nightmare Maker from 1982, which once again has some alternative names, which we'll talk about when we come back, including one yeah. which I think is just like the coolest fucking thing since. Twitch of the death nerve. Um, so when we return, we're talking about Nightmare Maker. You're going to hear um, promo for a show on Horophilia. The learned colleagues talking about it. And um, I'm leading the charge when we come back right after this. Do you like horror podcasts that are family friendly with boring hosts with bad opinions that like to perform circle jerks on each other every episode? If you do, you're in luck. There are plenty of other podcasts and other network of podcasts out there that you can listen to. But if you like to have fun and realize that the horror genre is based on this and you want to listen to entertaining hosts each and every show talk about not only popular horror movies but also foreign, indie horror, and rare obscure gems, then look no further than Horrorphilia.com and our Horrorphilia network of podcasts. We currently host nine radically different podcasts with many more to come. I guarantee you we have something for every horror fan out there. Well, unless you're one of these people that get easily offended don't like to try something new or just some type of pompous douchebag. In that case, we don't want you listening anyways. For everyone else, come on down to Horophilia and prepare to have multiple eargasms each and every week. Horophilia, the sashimi of horror podcasting. Nightmare Maker was apparently named Best Horror Film of 1982 by the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy and Horror, but it wasn't quite so popular with uh, the folks at the DPP. The film itself was directed by um, a guy called William Asher, who was a very capable director of TV shows like I Love Lucy, and he also did the AIP movie How to Stuff a Wild Bikini. It's actually one of the best movies on the list, I think, uh, quality-wise, anyway. It stars Jimmy McNichol, who's the brother of actress Christie, and uh, he plays a... A 17-year-old who's orphaned in a car crash. Very well shot sequence, this. Uh, he finds himself living with his dotty aunt, who's played by the excellent Susan Tyrell. 
and they get into a kind of incestuous relationship. And the film becomes very much, uh, it goes very much into the whatever happened to Baby Jane uh, psycho-type territory. It has some very good sequences, including a decapitation sequence, which was shot uncredited by Jan de Bont, who, of course, went on to direct movies like Twister and Speed. So shocking, so terrifying, so powerful. Night Warning has been named Best Horror Film of the Year by the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy and Horror. Billy and Julie, young, innocent, in love. It was all a mistake. They didn't go looking for trouble. They were just too curious. Without knowing, they've uncovered a deadly secret. By accident, they've stumbled onto a grisly murder. Now, they know too much to live. chilling tale of a young boy and girl, innocent victims, now targets of a frenzied obsession with murder. See the award-winning Night Warning. And welcome back. So this is the final movie review of episode number 20 of Doing the Nasty. This is Nightmare Maker, a.k.a. Night Warning, a.k.a. Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker. Oh, what a fucking title. Oh, if only... It is. It does not fit one bit in this no. movie, but it's a fucking brilliant name. If only they'd just made the movie fit. Um, so this was from 1982, directed by William Asher. Uh, synopsis from this one is listed on IMDb. An orphan teenager finds himself being dominated by his aunt who's hell-bent on keeping him with her at all costs. Um... I'll go out and say that this this is not the best of the three. <laughs> surprise, surprise. It's the worst. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the worst of the three. Um, it's a painfully dull movie compared to what we've seen. You know what I mean? We've yeah. seen two really... Ex- and uh, the, the Even though the beginning of Night Train, like the first 40 minutes, not a lot happens, I would argue that the beginning of Night Train was better shot than this. Uh, it's, I, I don't totally hate the movie. I think there's some performances that are really fucking good, right? Um, like the aunt, the, the actress that plays the aunt is fucking brilliant. She's like plays creepy, crazy, slightly off a rocker lady in a way oh, which I can get fully behind. She was the best thing in it. Yeah, totally the totally. best thing in it. Um, yeah. And I don't know if you noticed this. Did you, did you spot Bill Paxton? I did, yeah. I was so, like, oh my god! <laughs> I was like, there's Bill Paxton there, and I was like, this is another Bill Paxton performance. That Game I over, forget. man! Game <laughs> over! Because <laughs> he appeared in quite a lot of early movies, like smaller parts, and I always forget he's in them. And then everything after after his performance, like Terminator or, or Aliens, and I'm like, oh, it's Bill Paxton. Yeah, I remember everything he's in from there on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's shot well enough. I thought it was shot pretty good it kind of reminded me of 
it's it's weird. It kind of had that kind of shot for TV sort of feel. I don't know how you felt. Mm. Um, and after after seeing the movie, I kind of felt like I was like, I wonder if William Asher had done a lot of these shot for TV movies because that would explain why it feels so shot for TV. And um, he didn't shoot many shot for TV movies. However, he did a shitload of TV. A lot of TV, Andy, which me and you probably are aware of, like I Love Lucy, the TV show. Okay. He shot pretty yeah. much all the episodes of I Love Lucy and Bewitched. Okay. Remember? He was married to, to, I think he was married to the witch from Bewitched. Oh, was he? All right. Yeah, I think so. Um, he did that show. That was, that was him as well. So he did a lot of that. So... That's probably why this feels like at times quite tame. Mm. You know what I mean? Because he's he's used to being doing TV stuff. Um, yeah. It's just not a it's it's not a bad movie. It's just not a really interesting movie, and I the I I kind of felt quite bored by it. I kind of felt my attention <laughs> starting to wane whenever the ant wasn't on screen. Um, it did, didn't go where I thought it was going to go. Did um, it not? No. Just because of the name more than anything, just because I knew it was this Butcher Baker nightmare maker. Yeah. What the fuck does that mean? It means nothing um, in this. <laughs> she's, not a, she's not a butcher. She might be a bit of a baker. Nightmare maker? Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. So I thought it was him. I thought he was the one yes. doing all the killings and that. Um yeah, I thought she. I thought the aunt would send the, the you know the nephew mental, and he'd be going around slaughtering people. But like she's the loon. It all starts off with the guy comes to repair the TV. I don't even think the telly's broken. I think she's just trying to get men around the house so she can try and shag him. Um, he's <laughs> up, do. Hey, yeah, hey, hey, listen. Before you demean that, there are many great porn productions that start that way. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, <laughs> turning up to repair just plumber. Should have rang a plumber. That I don't know. TV repair guy. I don't know. It, like he's he's only ever going to be a guy in his fifties, but he's having this <laughs> anyway. I might be making this up, but I'm. Does she accuse me of being gay? And I thought I think no, she does. There's you're by just the way, rough yeah. and desperate. Can I can I just say there is a repeated use of an f word in this movie, which I don't like. Yeah. And it's like even for 1982, it is used a lot mm. um, by the police officer. The sheriff uses it about three or four times in one sentence, and yeah. I was like, "This is quite cringe." It's like, quite really cringe, cringe, but it works for the character because he's sort of a fucking bigoted twat, and he, oh, like, yeah, hates, well, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. he hates the PE teacher. Yeah. So you know, it's like Tarantino using the N word in his movies. If it's not in there, it's not realistic because people did use that word. Yeah, so. I understand that. I think I just wasn't. That it, it feels so out of place in a movie that feels like it should be for TV. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But I'm not. I'm, I'm not saying I'm not condemning the movie for that. I'm just saying it relished in that movie in an exploitative way, which is in keeping with. Um, yeah, it video felt nasties. a bit like um, run, fight for your life. Well, yeah, yeah. But the, a bit the, the to, like, keep saying it, keeps saying it. it's all right. We get the message. He doesn't like gay people. We get it. We, mm. we do understand. You don't have to keep, you know, you don't have to keep saying it. But, yeah, I mean, it kind of does work within the film. Um, obviously, the guy, they, you know, they, they, they hate the teacher for being gay. They assume that the nephew's gay. Um, and, like, so she cries rape. The boy gets blamed. And, obviously, that's the plot device where they're saying, you know, like, 
the guy I can't what did they say why he couldn't he couldn't have done it because oh, I can't even remember now to be honest it's two weeks ago since I saw this this is the first one I watched um, but you've got the whole like Oedipus kind of storyline haven't you where basically the aunt is in love with the kid mm-hmm. um, we find out like her parents his parents were killed um, at the beginning of the movie and there's very high suspicions that the aunt deliberately like tampered with the brakes on their car so they die so she could get her hands on this kid she's obviously in love with um mm. like alarm bells are ringing at the beginning because she finds a condom in his wallet and she's fucking livid about it isn't she yeah like the thought of him having sex and stuff um so yeah then she just goes she she's the one doing all the murders isn't she the kid's just kind of getting he's just kind of going along for the ride and getting sort of stuck in the middle of all of this and like you say, she plays the lunatic incredibly well. She's oh, it's, 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 to me, it's the is probably my favourite performance out of the three movies we watched. I think she just yeah. she is having a ball playing this role. She's on like Glenn Close from fucking. She really know, is, yeah, yeah. She's great. Yeah, really good. Um, I'm trying to think what what, what pans out because this is the thing with a film like it, it just. It, it it takes such a while to kind of go anywhere. There is stuff happening. Yeah, but it just, it's, it's yeah, just it's just it's forward. really it's really pedestrian. I think that's my my issue with it is that there there is some really cool ideas in here. It just kind of feels like the director is not the right director for this movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, it kind of feels yeah. like he's he's trying to bring a kind of older kind of sensibility to the table here um, where we're in 1982 by this point you know this is mm. we're at the height of slasherdom that if you're going to start doing that sort of things you know there's just far more interesting exciting and quick moving movies um, yeah. over this one and I think that's my biggest issue for it is that mm. it does it does take a kind of like if you'd read that, the name of this movie you would expect a bloodbath and you don't quite get that bloodbath and you'd the movie really kind of feels out of its depth I think that's the best way I can say it um, yeah. and I could see from maybe the title straight away why this would be a, a flag for, for um, the, the DPP the Video Nasties people and all the rest I could see why that would pop up but on the flip side of that, um, if you watch this movie at all, there is no way you would put this on the list. Um, I know no. we're slightly jumping ahead here. You wouldn't because there's it is a fairly harmless movie. Um, language aside, it's fairly harmless. Yeah, I mean it's weird. It's also known as um, Mama's Boy. Which yeah, isn't really accurate because it's not his mum. Nightmare Maker, just on its own. Uh, thrilled to death. Right, not exactly. I wasn't <laughs> the, the evil, pro, the evil protege. Yeah, it's a fucking weird name. And then night train. No night warning, isn't it? Night, yeah, night warning. warning. What's all this about nightmares and night warning? What were you talking about? I don't. I don't know. I think it's this idea that the, the guy might have had, and it just doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't even get fully incorporated into the movie. Um, yeah. It's just. I don't know. I was just. Yeah, I don't want to spend any more time talking about this, Andy. I, I think what, what we take away from this movie is the potential amazing name, uh, one pretty good, um, one pretty good kind of performance in this. Out with that story, pretty boring. 
Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker should have been about a guy that fucking slaughters people, cooks them, and causes everyone to have nightmares because everyone's in the town's terrified, like town that dreaded sundown. And oh, knows oh, it should be Sweeney. It should be like a Sweeney Todd adaptation. But when you eat the meat pies, you get the regressed memories of the people killed by Sweeney Todd. Ah, oh, amazing. How about that? Where's that? Show me that fucking movie. That movie would be fucking amazing. Yeah. Um, one police officer That's buys a... the pie and starts to track down the, the, the source of his haunted dreams because he's consumed someone. A psychic that was butchered and put in a pie. There, the fucking movie's written. <laughs> That's awesome, right? But as it happens, we just get some weirdy woman that wants to shag her own fucking nephew. He's having none of it. They think he might be gay, but then he ends up having sex with like, the girl at school, so he can't be. The mm. coach is a really nice bloke, but like the copper hates him because he's gay. Does he kill the copper at the end? The gay he, PE teacher? I, I thought he, he did, did, yeah. Yeah, brilliant. So you do get a little bit of a comeuppance there. Um, that's quite a satisfying ending. Like, he ends up um, killing his, his dinghy, doesn't he? His, his auntie, because she yeah. tries to kill him, and then he ends up killing her by mistake. And so the ending's kind of, it still happens. You know, you get a, you do get a conclusion in that at the ending. It just takes so long to get there, because even though you've got this really good sort of psycho auntie milling around and killing people, it's just, it's like, it should be interesting, but it isn't. It just, like you say, it seems very made for telly and the subject matter isn't made for TV, but the way it's executed is. So mm-hmm. it just kind of doesn't work. Um, so, yeah, a bit of a letdown, really, because I thought it was going to be a good one. You know, when it started, like, the 10 minutes in, because there's a really good scene where, um, obviously, we see his parents get killed. And it's great. Like, the car drives into the back of, like, a vehicle with a load of poles or something on the back, and it really, like, smashes right through his head. It's a great bit of gore. It is. It's bro- that's what but I'm saying. You watch the beginning of this it's movie. It's the only good bit of gore. Yeah. Right, you- isn't it? Like, the gore's, the gore's never that good again is in the opening first five minutes. Yeah. It, 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 it kind of pulls, pulls you in from that first sequence and then just doesn't do anything. Yeah. So, so uh, a bit of a letdown. Yeah, so almost Chris. a clean run. Almost three brilliant movies. Nearly. So almost close. So fucking close. So close. But to right. be honest, like, at this stage <laughs> in the game, though, to have two recommends is far yeah. list, I think that's pretty good going. I think so as well. I do think so. Right. Um, so in terms of the score, uh, this is a case dismissed for me and shouldn't have been on the list. What about yourself, sir? I was going to give it a slap on the wrist. Really? Yeah. Um, yeah, just because there's like quite a bit of murdering and stuff in it. There are quite a lot of killings in that. Yeah, but I don't think the murdering's all that well done. <laughs> no, I suppose it. Yeah. I'm trying. Um, I'm trying to think about. I'm trying to think about other movies that we have dismissed, um, and I'm trying to think about the murder in them. That opening sequence would probably get it a slap on the wrists for me, but everything after that undermines it because it's like, we'll give you some killing, but we won't give you anywhere near as good as that opening sequence. Yeah, uh, and overall... It's I, I, a I great just, bit of practical. It really, it's really it really is. It really it's does. really fucking good. It's such a cool sequence. Um, so, yeah. I'm going to give it a slap on the wrist just because I was so impressed with that opening brutality. Like It reminds me of... Um, Death proof when the tire goes like smashing through the woman's face. Yeah, but it's not it's not that good. But you know it, it does. It's a very good effect, and then the car goes careering off the cliff and stuff. 
Um, but after that, it just tapers off because that's what made me really high hopes for it. I thought, oh, 10 minutes in, this is going to be good, this. Because even though like someone dying in a car accident, it obviously doesn't, it does no reflection on how the killing is going to be, but just how good the practical effects were made me think I was going to be in for a bit of a treat. So yeah. very disappointed. No, it shouldn't have been on the list. Certainly not. Um, like you say, again, probably just the name flagged it up and then they watched it and thought, no, this is a bit shit. Yeah. And they, uh, they dropped it. So two out of three is pretty good, I think. Definitely so. recommend the first two movies. So, um, Aye, that's a, that's the episode wrap. So we are very close to the end now, yes. as you say. Um, what we need to do is announce our competition winner. Right, so, I uh, think uh, we'll, t- we'll take a we'll short do, break. Yeah, we'll do that after the break. Right, uh, short break. You're going to hear one more promo for a show on Horophilia. When we return, myself and Andy will be uh, telling you who won his Inferno Arrow Blu-ray cut of that movie by Dario Argento and announcing the movies for episode 21 which is coming in a fortnight. We're going to be right back after this. Banana Laser is filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hey, Wazell, I think we should record a new ad for Banana Laser. Great idea, Dave. We should say that Banana Laser Horror Podcast is hosted by us and Alex. What? I heard my name. I think we should talk about the retrospectives. They've been a pretty big hit. Fucking Friday the 13th, Saw, Halloween retrospective. Yeah, man. I've heard people listen to that Halloween retrospective every October like it's tradition. Yeah, you don't say. Well, I shouldn't be surprised. I do, too. You listen to your own podcast? Yeah, uh, our shit is that damn good. Yeah, man. We should also say in the ad we hope to introduce horror fans to something new, whether it's a movie they haven't heard of or look at other films in a new way. Yeah, we could talk about our walking through the 80s specials we did when we covered the 80s movies. We could talk about rolling through the 70s. We could talk about you doing mushrooms. (laughs) Yeah, we can. Are you writing this down? Writing? What are you two talking about? Yeah, and the ad should say all the technical stuff, too. Like, you can find our show and its full archive on horrorphilia.com, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube... Um, is there anything else? I don't think so. I think that's... Oh, well, hold on. We could talk about um, Banana Bites, because no one else does it. It's uh, the in-between episodes. Yeah, all about horror news releases, and of course, with our witty opinions and observations. Ugh. Yeah, shit. Perfect, man. I think that should do it. This new ad for Banana Laser is going to be awesome. Oh, that's what you guys are talking about. Can I be on it? No. no. <laughs> Banana laser wins every time. And welcome back. So that's our final, well, three films of tonight. Like we say, two recommend. So pretty strong episode there. I'm pretty pleased with that. Mm-hmm. Um, how many have we got left then? So let's have a look. One, two, three, four. Just the four to go. I'm really looking forward to next week. Possession, 1981. Oh, I love Possession. Weird film, that. It's but good weird film. as fuck. And- Pranks that I think Johnny Krug's reviewed before. It's called something else, isn't it? It's not called yeah. Pranks. What's the? Um... I can't remember the other name for it, but yeah, I know you. I know what you're on about. Yeah, I'm looking forward. to I've never seen that, so I'm. Uh, I'm really looking forward. Isn't it something massacre? Something to do with sorority? Ah, anyway, pranks yeah. is what it's called <laughs> over here. Um, I've never seen that, so I'm excited about that. And then Prisoner of the Cannibal God. It's Another. been ages since we've had a cannibal film. I thought oh. we'd left them behind because oh. C is longer on the letter C. So hmm. it's, 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 it's like, from, from the sounds of things, it's mixing two things we've not seen in a while. Prison movie and cannibals. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, two in one. So fucking hell. Look forward I, I, to that. I, I, I don't want to spoil things, but the episode after Revenge of the Boogeyman. <laughs> oh, Christ! But then we have got the Slayer. Which, yes. You know, the Slayer is one of them films that I always used to see in the uh, in in the video shop, mm-hmm. and I never got it. And it was one of them ones. It was a Vipco Vault of Horror. Yes. So you didn't get any pictures or anything on the back. You literally it. it it was just a front front cover on the you know there was no artwork or anything to really let you know what was happening and I think it was something like by pick by axe by sword by by something yeah. like that was it was the tagline yeah. and I've always wanted to see it and it's probably going to be terrible but I'm really looking forward to that because that's I think I've seen it I think I, memory serves I actually saw it when it got released by Vipco. So, Do you know what? It's not. It's the Mutilator. I think I'm getting it wrong. I think the Mutilator was by Pick by Axe. Yeah, yeah. But no, I'm, I've that seen, that I'm sure I've seen the Slayer. I'm sure I've seen the Slayer. I put oh, money on Slayer. it. I would put There's money on it. But, uh, yeah, yeah, so I'm actually looking forward to that. So that's all, I haven't seen any of... Oh, no, I have seen Possession. Um, but I haven't seen Pranks or Prisoner Sam of the Sam Neill. Oh, yeah. could we just dedicate a whole show to talking about how amazing Sam Neill is? So, oh, so we should actually. He is really fucking good. I do like Sam Neill. He's been in some great stuff. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty excited about rewatching that again. And uh, to be honest, pretty much everything after that I haven't seen. So there's... Um, I don't um, think I've seen... you never seen Visit Nowers? No. Oh, Visit Nowers is pretty cool. Um, it's a Canadian slasher movie. It's got Michael Ironside in it. Oh, I love Michael Ironside. Yeah. See you at the party, Richter. <laughs> um, I was... Go- I was... <laughs> God, Michael Ironside, I love you so much. Um, I, I was, I was going to say, yeah. So, like, I mean, we're we're kind of, we're kind of, we're heading towards, we're heading towards the end, Andy. Everything's no, no. coming, coming to a close. And like I yeah. said, like obviously, if we're getting them. We've got four more shows of horror reviews. Then we'll come back for one more show after that as a yeah. way to basically close everything up, tie it up in a nice neat bow. Um, and 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 pay our fond farewells. Um, I just wanted to, like kind of quickly say before we we do the competition winners that there's still people coming across to the Facebook page which is awesome the download numbers were still like ranking quite high in the top 10 of horophilia shows which is fucking awesome and people also have a weird morbid curiosity I think that's what it is I mean because we we had said like especially because horophilia is primarily American listeners um, we'd said that the the video nasties thing is such a British thing that the concern was always going to be is this going to pull in any interest outside the UK I mean you know it's such a niche um, thing and the the, uh, it goes further into the nicheness when you look at how bad some of these movies actually are Mm. Um, that the fact that people are still following us and still coming across and still checking us out and still finding the show at this stage is really fucking cool so I just wanted to just take a couple of seconds just to thank every listener who has checked out the show and uh, participated, commented on the Facebook page and got involved with what we do. It really is. It's a, it's a lot of fun to see a lot of people going through the same misery that we are going through um, on the show. <laughs> it, 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 it does kind of yeah. share the share the load, Andy. Share the load. Exactly, mate. And uh, like you know, said, even if the films aren't particularly interesting, the subject matter, I think, always will be. Yeah. Because we're never going to be in an era, again, of such ridiculously over-the-top censorship. It's just it's never going to happen, which is good. You know, it's a good mm-hmm. thing because it's, it's just oppression, isn't it? Just a way to oppress people. And, and no society functions well when it's being oppressed. No. Ever. No. So Definitely to not. tell people they can't do this and they can't do that, 
sometimes is fine because there's certain things that you do need to be told you can't do you know you do need to wear a seatbelt when you're in your car you do need to have a cycle a helmet on when you're on a motorbike fine but to tell me i can't watch a film just because there's a little bit of blood and gore in it fuck mm. you so do you know what i mean like it, it's it's never going to cease to be interesting or baffling you know it still baffles me and it shouldn't do but it does there are certain things like tonight where i'm fucking baffled as to why certain films are considered for a list and certain films fall through the net. How the fuck did a film that's got a woman being raped by a knife end up getting dropped? It's it fucking it's mind-blowing. Um, yeah. I've got the um, Video Nasties Volume 2 that I bought, and I haven't watched it yet. So the, hopefully the documentary? Yeah, the, the second one. Obviously, I've seen the first one. Ah, oh, right. Oh, the second one's really fucking good. The second one yeah. goes more into detail about... Remember when we talked about that, the, the, the DPP List 3? Yes. It kind yeah. of goes in more into detail about that. And that's the one that, when we set up the show, we've had a couple of people ask us in the past if it's something we've considered moving to do. And it's, it's not... We've considered a, it. <laughs> I, th- I, think, uh, yeah, I think what we said is that after a period of time, we may return. We may and, do, yeah. Yeah, I, but I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't rule it out, but I do want a break after this. I'm definitely. the same. I, I've got. I've yeah. got other bits and bobs that need to that, that require my attention as well. Um, I've got a new project which will be coming early next year, which um, should be quite fun. Uh, completely different from anything that I really do at the moment. Still horror, but in a, in a different format and stuff. So, but awesome. I, I, we've we've not written it out. I mean, it is, there's a very good chance that we would come back to do it, but we'd have to let some time fly because a lot of the ones on the DPP list are actually really popular horror movies that we've seen loads of times. They are actually, yeah. I was um, having a look through because. I've not watched the documentary yet, but I had a flick through the trailers. Because yeah. the great thing about these documentaries, you don't only, you not only get a trailer for every single film on top of like the ninety minute documentary, but you also get sometimes it can only be a minute, but sometimes you get up to about five or six minutes of people talking about the actual film, and that's then you always but the the short snippets that we play before each film mm-hmm. are just a short kind of clip of of what you get to hear, but. Those documentaries, if you can pick them up, I mean, I picked the second one up for about 11 quid on Amazon. Um, And it's fucking great because you get, like I say, the full-length documentary, and then you get, like, on the first one, it's all 72 trailers and Mm -hmm. 72 between sort of two- and five-minute introductions as well. There's a hell of a lot of footage. If you're interested in the trivia, you know, like trivial information behind this, fucking you've got to get them. You've got to check them out. And they're all region-free as well. Yes, so uh, get yourself over to Amazon and pick those up because it is just so interesting. Um, yeah, the documentary in itself is f- completely... We've touched on some of the key players that were involved with it, but the documentary really goes in-depth. And it's funny because you've got people, you've got actual directors. Main, like Neil Marshall makes an appearance talking about when he saw things like The Evil Dead for the first time and all the rest. So there, there, are, there are big names in British horror that appear oh, in there it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic one and like Andy was saying it's a DVD it's region free it's inexpensive now get yourself a copy of it and you can continue the journey after listening to this show um, yeah, Andy exactly we are the competition yes. you are <laughs> yeah. against my better wishes getting rid of your Arrow Blu-ray hardly ever used played once Dario Argento literally Blu-ray played once I mean the thing is right do you know what I probably would watch it again just because of how nice the transfer was but because I said I would give it away obviously I'm going to follow through on that and I am going to give it away 
Unfortunately, we only had three people enter the competition. Can't give it anything, um, That's some bad things which, I'm getting now. Which just makes me think the the the, the question's just too difficult. <laughs> Go and remind the people out there who listened to the show um, what, what that difficult question was, Andy. It was, do you want this? <laughs> so the correct answer is, yes, I do want it. <laughs> And unfortunately, only three people managed to to figure that out. Um, Gary Hill. Yes, Gary Hill. Andy Clark. Andy Clark. And who's our other guy? G- who Jamie Wilson. Always enters this competition. Sorry. Yeah. Jamie Wilson. I thought Jamie Wilson was going to win it because originally Jamie Wilson was the only person that had entered. Uh, up until up until about two days ago, Jamie Wilson was the only one that had entered this competition. And then yeah. in the last two days, in fact, including last night, Gary Hill flung his name into into the hat. And uh, Andy, you have put those names into a hat. You've drawn yeah. the winner from the hat. And on this show, live and exclusive, just for you listeners, we can announce that the winner is... Andy Clark. Andy Clark. There you go. All your pain and suffering following these movies with us has finally paid off. You have won yeah. Andy's copy of Inferno. Exactly. Well done, mate. You've won it. So um, I'll, I'll just private. I think I'm friends with Andy on Facebook, so I'll private message him in a bit and I'll let him know and I'll get it sent out to him. He's winning everything actually- at the moment. He's, he just won on podcasts under this day. He just won the new cut of Tenebrae from Arrow as well from me. Yeah, so. he told me. I thought, Jamie Bastard, that's two that he's won. Two, <laughs> not only um, not only off the nasties list, but two Arrow releases. Two Argento. <laughs> renowned to be fantastic transfers yeah. and you get a lot of special features. So if you're a bit of a nerd like me and you love watching interviews and little uh, making ofs and that, you know, you, you always get a bit of that with the arrow. So uh, well done, Andy. We'll get that sent out to you. I nearly put a reminder on the Facebook page to say, look, does anyone, you know, there is a competition on, but I thought, no, I'm not going to do that because I'm Trump. giving something away free. I'm not going to go prompting people to try and win. Um, so thanks to the three people that entered. Um, well done, Andy Clark. Uh, that's the giveaway. We might do another giveaway before the end. I think we we'll probably will. I'll, I'll, I'll arrange something this time and we'll, we'll do probably one more giveaway for one of the movies before the end of the of the, the runner shows. Um, anything else you want to say just now, Andy, before we, we say our goodbyes and uh, give no, ourselves no, up uh, for next that's, week? Uh, I think that's it for us today. We're all done. Uh, what a fantastic show it's been as well. It's not often that we get to speak so passionately and happily about uh, movies on this show. Um, like Andy was saying, we return in two weeks' time with another three nasties for your listening pleasure and for our potential viewing pleasure. That's got a disclaimer on it. Um, Andy, would you like to say goodbye to the listeners, please? Yeah, bye, listeners. Bye. Bye. Next. They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well. An extravaganza of gory violence capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen the video, mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film.